0: Lord is here, the risen Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping the risen Jesus Christ. And now we invite you to speak into our lives through your word, the living word we just heard about. And may we be forever changed, more like you than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agreed and said, amen. 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 Give somebody a fist bump before you sit, okay? All right. Awesome. Well, we welcome you again to Easter Sunday here. What a great time to be together. Uh, Newsflash, we are open 52 Sundays a year, okay? And you're all welcome back, and we'd love to have you anytime, every time. We're in the middle of this I Quit series. And next week, Pastor Shane is up with I Quit Hiding. We already quit playing church. And then we quit comparing to each other because God created each one of us individually and for special purposes. And then we quit complaining because we have too much to be thankful for. We quit complaining because we have too much to be thankful for. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen, amen, amen. So, next week, we're going to quit hiding. We talked about how church people, good people, tend to, you know, put up a good front. We do the high church thing, you know, hi, how are you? I'm great. Have your people call my people. We'll do lunch. And, uh, you know, we don't let anybody see the real us, even God. And so that's our topic next week. And then the following week, I'm back with, I quit stressing. Yes? Yes? Yes, back in two weeks, all right. Today we're talking about I quit not believing. That's a double negative. So the positive would be, you know, I quit my unbelief. And as I dive into that, I'd like you to take this yellow insert or take the connection card in the back of the seat in front of you because I know we ran out of these. So would you just take a moment on the yellow sheet, if you have one, There's a survey that says, I'd like to hear a message about, and then there's about 10 topics there you can pick from. Pick one or two. If you don't have one of these, just take the connection card and uh, write it on there, okay? The topic you'd like to hear a message on. It has forgiveness, the Bible, uh, basic beliefs, heaven. Somebody put sex on the list. I don't, nobody here cares about that. Uh, Anyway. But, or if you have a topic that you would, you know, just on your own think about, put that on there. And in September, we're going to do a four or five part series called You Asked for It, and we'll tackle these topics, okay? Whatever ones you pick. Um, I quit my unbelief. For 37 years, I've been doing Easter sermons. And. Every time, my goal is to help those of us who are followers of Christ, who are sincere in our faith, who know the Lord, to draw closer to him, be more confident in him than ever before. And it's also my goal to help anybody who's kind of on the edge of faith to take that step of crossing the line. It isn't only an intellectual decision. There's a lot of reasons to believe But ultimately, it is a decision of the will. It is that simple, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And in first service today, there were many who indicated at the close of the service, they were making a first-time decision to follow Christ. So when I talk about that, very often I get kind of a series of Common responses, things that more than one person will say back. I'll say, you know, have you followed Christ yet? Do you believe yet? And they'll say, well, I've got some issues. Um, I'm not really sure about the Bible. I mean, it's an ancient Middle Eastern text, and this is the 21st century, and, you know, it's not very scientific. And after all, science and faith don't really mix And I'm going, well, that's a good question. And lots of us have had those questions, but what have you done with it? Then there will be people who are like, well, yeah, um, the whole resurrection thing. I mean, we're here today because Christians, Christ followers say that he rose again, like real. (laughs) You know, not a metaphor, a historic fact. And that's an incredible fact. I mean, is that a believable fact? And I'll say, well, what have you done with that question? Or some people will say, I don't know, Christians bug me. Jesus is good, but Christians not so much. You know, I had a Christian boss, and he was a jerk. And I got a, a, a neighbor that goes to church all the time, and, you know, they're, they're mean and they're nasty. And, and I'll say, you know, that, that, I'm sorry. Um, you know, if you've been around any group of people, including the church, for a while, somebody probably did you wrong, and I'm sorry. And if it was me, or some other pastor, or some other leader, none of us want that. We would do anything to, to try and make that right. You know, what have you done with that? And the thing is, the weird thing, time after time, it's like, well, I haven't really done anything. Well, why not? Well, you know, there are, there are books you could read. There are uh, messages you could listen to. There are issues here that many, many people have dealt with and worked through and ultimately come to faith. What about you? And what I learned was that for a lot of people, it's kind of an excuse. You know, they kind of like staying stuck there.
1: They don't really want to
0: know whether they can trust the Bible or whether the resurrection is a historical fact or whether the church, as human and fallen and broken as it is, is still the body of Christ in the world. So the first thing I want to say to all of you is, don't stay stuck in your excuses. You know, I'm sorry if there's anything that's holding you back, but I want to encourage you today to, to seek the Lord. The Bible says if we'll seek him, we will find him, if we'll seek him with all our heart. And I love this text. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the Roman Christians and telling them about the Lord. And the book of Romans is about as intellectual and carefully crafted an argument for faith as you'll find. And in the course of these chapters, he walks through, you know, we're all sinners. Everyone has gone our own way. And Jesus Christ gave his life as the perfect payment for the sins of the world and when we trust in Jesus and believe in him we can be forgiven and have a whole new life and at the very beginning of that before he launches into all that he says now look there's lots of people very far from God very messed up whose lives are just darkness and part of the reason is that they're making excuses and not open to the greatness and goodness of God so he writes this For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, would you read the next phrase out loud? Has been, again, has been, wow, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You know, you're, you're struggling with faith. Look up, look around. Look at this amazing Creation and see the fingerprints of God. Uh, Psalm 33 says that God spoke and the stars were born. We believe that our creator God is so amazing that this entire universe full of stars and planets came into existence because he just said so. Nothing else. He just said so and it happened. We believe there is a star-speaking God. So look at the closest star, all right? What's the closest star? The sun, that's right. Uh, How far is it away? 93 million miles, right? The speed of light, it takes the light of the sun eight minutes to get to planet Earth. And I love thinking about the fact that this planet, this speck in the universe, is handcrafted by our amazing God. Far enough from the sun that we don't fry. (laughs) You know, it's warm, but it's not too warm. Aren't you glad we're warm? Anybody like it warm? But, you know, then there are seasons when it's cool, when it's, you know, but we're not too far away so that it'd be freeze, right? Perfect. It's a designer planet. It's a designer planet. I love to think, and when God was done crafting planet Earth, he just kind of took it. I, I, I brought a planet Earth. That's it right there. Okay? It's the size of a golf ball, right? Are, can you see yourself on there? When he when he finished creating it, he just kind of went 23 degrees, right? And we get the seasons, at least we do in Michigan. I, I, I love the seasons, don't you? Thank God. He is our creator. God, look up, look around. Now, if you were to compare the size of planet Earth, if Earth is this size, to our sun, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. There would be 960,000 planet Earths in that sun. And our sun is just one of the smaller stars, right? Out of millions in the Milky Way, we know that 427 light years away, 427 million, (laughs) that was a big difference, sorry, 427 million light years away is a star called Betelgeuse, or some call it Betelgeuse. Ever heard of Betelgeuse? Betelgeuse, the star, It it dwarfs our sun, and the Bible says that God spoke it into existence. Now, think about this. Think about the expanses of the universe, the number and the size of the stars. So why are we here on this speck? Either it's a complete accident, like it's just a random thing, right? And we're just kind of uh, life forms that accidentally happened, and there's nothing about it that's special, and we don't mean anything, and we're not going anywhere. Or we're here because God created us and put us here. And our lives mean something. And it makes a difference whether we do right or do wrong. Whether we serve the ultimate purposes of our life. And I think about that and I say, don't, don't stay stuck in your excuses. Don't be lame and lazy and just kind of don't. I go out in the night sky and I look up. And I think, who could have made all this? Where could it have come from? And if the answer is someone created it, then I want to know that someone. I want to know that someone. And that someone not only created the universe, he sent his one and only son to display the full extent of his love. God revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Wow. So don't stay stuck. Whatever your issue, whatever your reason, think about it, pray about it, delve into it, ask God to show you the truth about himself, and he will. The other thing it says there on your outline is don't ignore the evidence. Well, some people say, well, you know, like what's the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus? Can you prove it? Well, I can't prove it in the, maybe the sense that you would ask that, but I believe God proves it. And has proved it. And so the scriptures speak to that as well. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Now why does he say that? Well he says that because this is happening in the very place Jesus lived and taught, loved and healed, and died on the cross. And if there was some way to prove that he didn't rise from the dead, these are the people who could prove it. Like you know, the theories about what might have happened to the body of Jesus. One theory is that maybe the Roman soldiers or the Jewish leaders stole the body. Well, you, you know, you look into that and you say, soon after this supposed resurrection, something amazing happened in the lives of the followers of Jesus. I mean, just days before, when Jesus was on trial and nailed to the cross, Where were the disciples? They were hiding. (laughs) Girly boys that they were, right? Uh, They weren't bold. They weren't brave. They weren't sticking their necks out. They let him die. And he was dead and gone. But then, then, after this thing, whatever it was, after something happened, they laid down their lives for this truth and they taught it and they preached it. Now, if the Romans or the Jews had the body of Jesus, it's a very easy thing to prove it wasn't true. You just produce the body, and it all goes away. But they didn't, because they couldn't. Then the other theory is that, well, the disciples stole the body. Now, I don't know if you've seen the new movie, Risen. I went to see it, and, and one of the things that was powerful about it was the depiction of the tomb itself and the stone in front of it. It had ropes uh, across it, and they were sealed with wax seals by the Roman guards. You know, first of all, the Roman guards, they knew how to kill somebody. (laughs) And after they killed somebody, they knew how to keep them dead. And they had sealed this tomb with the royal seal, and it was a crime to break it. But somehow or other, you know, you go with this theory, okay, the disciples came, stole the body and hid it, and then what? And then they went public and said they saw Jesus alive and history tells us every single one of them, save John, who lived into old age, all the rest of them died a martyr's death, speared and stabbed and crucified because of their faith. Now, why is that important? Well, because if They had the body stolen somewhere, hidden, and then they died proclaiming he was alive. They died for a lie, and they knew it. Now, people say to me, well, pastor, I mean, people do that. They die for a lie, like ISIS uh, suicide bombers. Well, that's a whole different deal. See, they believe that what they believe is true. They don't know it not to be true and die for it. They die for it because they believe it's true. We're saying the theory being that somehow the followers of Jesus, knowing he was not alive, gave their lives to proclaim he was alive. It makes no sense. And something happened to those guys. Read the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. They took on Every authority, every power, they risked their life day after day preaching the good news of Jesus. And they didn't say believe in Jesus because he was a good man and taught the truth. They didn't say that. You read every time in the book of Acts the gospel is preached. They didn't say believe in Jesus because he healed, because he was amazing. They didn't say that. They said believe in Jesus Christ because he rose from the grave. Something happened with Jesus that never happened with anyone else. They, they risked their lives, they placed their faith on the evidence of the resurrection. So if that's a question, then what are you doing about it? Uh, Frank Morrison was the first one to write a book attempting to use his craft as a journalist and as a lawyer to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. The first chapter of his book is called The Book That Could Not Be Written, because after spending a year investigating the evidence to disprove the resurrection, he became a follower of Jesus. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you know the name Lee Strobel. Uh, Nancy and I know Lee. He stayed in our home. He's an author, a speaker, and a former atheist. He Loves to tell the story of how um, as an atheist he was the legal reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And the worst thing that could happen to him happened to him. His wife went to church and said she believed in Jesus. It's like (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't handle it. Made him so upset. He said he went to church to see what she was saying, where she was getting this stuff. And he said, you know, I liked who she was becoming. I can see something in her. So he said, I went and I took my reporter's pad that I always took when I did a story, so that if I knew anybody met anybody I knew, I could tell them I was doing a story on the church. Because I didn't want anybody to know I was, you know, considering God. And he says, one day, after going to about 20 services and reading what the pastors mentioned and studying the evidence for the Christian faith. He came home from church, went to his room, knelt down by his bed, and came to faith in Christ. And he's written the book, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, and the book we're going to give t- today to everyone who has a life-changing encounter with Jesus, The Case for Easter. The Case for Easter. And Lee Strobel, said, I just read an article he wrote the other day online, said, this Easter is the 34th anniversary of when he gave his life to Christ the best thing that ever happened to him because he examined the evidence after years of sort of explaining it away. One more thing is that sometimes we just get a little lazy, spiritually lazy. Um, Did you know that the Bible says we are to love the Lord with all our heart and all our soul, and anybody know what comes next? all our mind and all our strength. All our heart, all our soul, all our, say it with me, mind, and all our strength. Do not come to church and park your brain, okay? The one thing I know about Davison is we love our schools, right? Anybody? We got administrators, we got teachers, we got students of the Davison schools, and a lot of other great schools. Because your school is a good school, whatever the school, Okay? But, and so I know that if you got a good education in Davidson schools, you got a brain. And it works. And when you come to church and when you consider God and, and ask the big questions, engage your brain. Don't be lazy. I love what it says, 1 Peter, therefore with what? That are what? And fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Use your mind, explore, think. You know, I know that faith in Jesus Christ is not only an intellectual exercise, but I do believe that we have a reasonable faith. There are reasons to believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He rose from the grave. He is alive. Now, I know that when it comes to a new life in Christ, there's always an act of the will. There's always a choice to be made. We can all look around and look up and look in the Bible and look at history, and then we can say, okay, even if it's true, and I know it to be true, what am I going to do about it, right? I pastored for 12 and a half years in western Canada in a city called Saskatoon. There really is such a place, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. They tell the story of the guy that came by and the train didn't know where he was, got off and asked where he was. They said Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. They said, no, what's the English name? You know, because it kind of doesn't sound. It's a beautiful city, 300,000 people. And in that city, there's a great university. And in that university, there is a department of physiotherapy. And uh, one of the leaders of that department, his name is Chuck, started coming to our church. Chuck was a skeptic. I think he would have called himself An atheist, but his wife, again, she kind of liked coming and thought the kids should come, so Chuck came along. I got to talking with him one day about the things we're talking about, and he said, "Well, you know, he's got a degree in physiology. He knows all about the human body, and most of the time, he'd sort of just assumed that the swoon theory was right. You know, that Jesus just fainted on the cross, right?" And then when nobody was looking, he got up and snuck away. And, you know, if you've read the Da Vinci Code, I mean, it's all, its all. lots of people kind of believe it. And I said, okay, you believe it. Have you thought about it? Does that make any sense to you? So Chuck, who has a degree in physiology, who's uh, the head trainer for the Canadian Olympic track team, said, I know the human body about as well as anybody knows the human body. Let me look into it. So he studies the effects of the Roman whip, the cat-of-nine-tails, and the fact that those Roman guards knew how to kill someone with one of those. And after Jesus was whipped within an inch of his life, he was crucified. So he studied how crucifixion affects the human body. Then after hours hanging on the cross, All the strength is gone, and you can't pull down with your hands or push down with your feet to gain one more breath, expand your chest, so you die of suffocation. And when that guard, remember at the end when they were trying to see if he was really dead, that guard took that spear and put it up through his ribs, and it says, blood and water gushed out, he pierced the sack around his heart. I was like, of course he was dead. Then I said, okay, so then you take someone who's gone through all that you wrap him in claws and you seal him in a tomb. Is he going to wake up? Is he going to get better? Are you going to say, oh, you know, I think I'll just walk out of here? No. No, and Chuck came back to me, and he said, you know, I thought about it, and I realized it was foolishness. It made no sense, but he said, I just, I just assumed. I just went along. and never stopped to ask the question. And then when he got to the end of his study, He had to make a decision. It's the same decision all of us have to make. Jesus shows up in John chapter 11. He's at the home of his friends, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. The Bible says that he had stayed in their home several times before. And the word comes to him that Lazarus is sick unto death, not just sick, he's going to die. And very sort of strangely, Jesus doesn't go. I mean, they all think he's going to, you know, run down there and, and heal his friend before he dies. But Jesus stays where he is for two more days. And he tells the disciples who are with him, he says, uh, well, this isn't, a di- this isn't a sickness unto death. This is so God can be glorified. Well, what did he mean? Because we all know that Lazarus died, right? Lazarus died. By the time Jesus gets there, he's been in the ground four days. So the sisters hear that Jesus has arrived. and The scripture says that Mary didn't even go to see him. Um, why? Her brother's dead. What's the point? And I think there are people, when they hear about the resurrection, when we hear about the resurrection, we think about all the stuff in our lives that is dead. Pastor Shane mentioned them earlier, you know, dreams that have died, a marriage, a family that's in trouble. Sometimes it's that purely physical diagnosis that takes our breath away. And we we feel like we're overwhelmed, like why bother? What's the point? And Jesus, when he arrives, he says, "You know, I've come to bring life to this home. Do you believe that I can?" And, and Martha, who has come to him, you know, she's been discouraged because Jesus took so long. Anybody know that God's timing and our timing isn't the same? And you want something, and you pray for something, and you believe for something, and it's not happening, and you're discouraged. You're like Martha. You're in the delay and you don't like it. And Martha, I love what she says. She says, even now, even now, you can bring the words of life. I think some of us here need an even now moment from God. Even now, no matter what you're going through, no matter how far away you feel, no matter how discouraged you've been, no matter how long it's taken Even now, Jesus is here for you. The risen Lord is here in the room by the power of his spirit and he can change whatever it is you need to be changed. And some of us, the Bible says, are dead in our sins. We've done so many things that we knew to be wrong that they have wrapped themselves around our hearts and dragged us away from God. And Jesus Christ can touch us in a moment and set us free and give us a whole new life. And so we read the rest of the story. Jesus says to Martha, one of the greatest statements in all the Bible, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Don't you love that question? Do you believe this? Jesus doesn't say, I bring the resurrection or I make the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It has a name. His name is Jesus. And when he is invited to be part of who we are and what we're going through, he changes everything and he brings life. One of the people in that room when Jesus said that was a guy that's known throughout the Bible For his questions. His name was Thomas, but he had a nickname that he always went with Thomas. Remember what it was? (laughs) How would you like that for your nickname? Hey there, Doubting Glenn. How's it going today? Right? Doubting Thomas, right? And when the story is unfolding and Jesus says he's going to go down and and see the family, Thomas says, Well, let's all go that we might die with him. (laughs) That's one of the weirdest things in the Bible. Let's all go that we may die with him. Who wants to go for that, right? Thomas doesn't believe that Jesus can do it. And yet he goes and he sees that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And so we're told just not long thereafter, right? Jesus pays for the sins of the whole world on the cross and they take his body down. They lay it in a tomb. And they seal it with a stone. And three days later, by the resurrection power of God, he comes back to life and appears to the disciples. And the first time he appears, Thomas isn't there, right? So Thomas says, I'm not buying that. I got too many doubts. I got too many questions. And then Jesus comes back just for Thomas. I don't know where you are in your faith journey today, but I believe Jesus Comes back just for us, whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, and we're going to see a short clip. Nancy and I were watching this, sitting together. I believe, I think it was a Sunday night. We saw this um, media of the risen Christ encountering the disciples and Thomas. We looked at each other, said, "Wow, let's watch." No, this isn't real. Is that? Wouldn't you like Jesus to put his hand on your head and, and mess your hair? Awesome, right? You know, that, that's my prayer, that Jesus is going to put his hand on your head right now, right? Or on your heart. Or on your mind. And that whatever it is that holds you back, whatever it is you struggle with, you will surrender it to him today. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you're here with us. What a beautiful, powerful day this is. And I pray right now for these, these friends, friends of mine, friends of yours. I pray for anybody who's a little overwhelmed, who's got some doubts or delays or disappointments that are holding us back. And Lord, we may have been, maybe followers of yours, but there's stuff we need help with. We need the risen Jesus to lift our burden and restore our faith and our joy and our strength. So as we continue to pray, if you just need a touch from God today, if your faith has kind of grown dim, if there's something that's on your heart and mind that you need help with, you need a touch from God, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today. I need help today. I need the Lord today. Amen. Lord, you see these many, raise the hand to say, we need a touch from you. You know why, you know what, and I pray that you would touch our lives, each life, with your resurrection power. Help us to believe, help us to receive, and have strength to go on. Lord, as we continue to pray, I pray now for those who are here who have been struggling with faith, who've been maybe on the edge of that step of faith. And we see today, Lord, that sometimes there are excuses or sometimes we just haven't allowed you to give us the faith to speak into our lives by the power of your Spirit. And right now, we do believe, we receive you by faith. And Lord, I pray there would be many, many in this room who would simply pray, I open my heart and life to you, Jesus. Come in and live your life in me. And I would love to pray for and encourage you. And while we continue to pray, if that's you, if you're committing your life to Christ or renewing your faith in God, would you put your hand up and say, Pastor, this is my day. This is my day. I trust in Jesus. I do believe. Lord, I thank you for those who have raised their hand just now. And I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, make them new in Jesus give them the joy of the lord a whole new life in your name we pray thank you for hearing and answering our prayers amen amen wow wow Uh, i mentioned earlier we have a gift for you there's a table just outside the door that has a cross it says amazing grace and if you have given your life to christ today or in about a month we're going to have a baptism service and if you haven't been baptized and would like to be stop by that table We'll give you a copy of the book, The Case for Easter, and uh, we'll set up an appointment to talk as you're ready later on. Also, there's a table there. If this is your first time, first time maybe in a long time, we have a gift for you on your way out too. Let's stand. And uh, if you have your yellow card or your connection card, I forgot to ask you, uh, Okay, press pause. This is important. Would you find your card right now and find something to write on or write with? Um, On the back, on the bottom, thank you, dear, it says A, B, C, D. See that? Or take your connection card. You can write on it A, B, C, or D. A means I'm already a Christ follower and I'm celebrating that today. You can write your name on the bottom and check that. B means I became a follower. I'm becoming a believer today. Today is my day. Would you check that? C means I'm considering Christ, okay? And I'd like to pray for you. And D means, what does D mean? I'm definitely not interested, all right? That's okay too. We're glad you're here. Come back and kick a tire one more time, right? See what God has to say to you. And uh, we'd love to know that. We're going to collect those right now before we sing. So if you take a minute, fill out yours and put your name on there and uh, or write are writing on a connection card. We'll collect those. I guess we're going to pass them to the aisle. Is that how we're going to do it? These guys are going to help us out. Thank you.